How concerned should you be about Odell Beckham? Is Tariq Cohen a real thing? And should you start Jeremy Macklin over Des Bryant this week? Plus, the second-place team in the FFPC main event, Matt Keifling drops in to talk about his draft day decisions, how good Adam Thielen can be, and much, much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. What more can I say? We top billing it. Stallion without billing it. Viciously found victory. Burnt towns and villages. Burning, looting, and pillaging. Murderers try to hurt us. We curse them and all that killers. I just want the bread and pull bundles to talk away. I don't work for free. I am barely giving up away. Hotel begging Johnny and mommy to get the away. Yo, here's a gun, son. Now run, get it to gut away. Live to shoot another day. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is indeed the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, is 2017 the year of a goaler? A goaler? Aguilar. Is it 2016 all over again for John Brown? Will it be 2018 before we really see Joe Mixon? And much, much, much more. Plus, Matt Keifling, the owner of the second-place team in the FFPC main event, shares his draft recap, what happened to Kenny Britton week one, and a lot more. Shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at Hour. I am at Eric Balkman, and Dave is, of course, at David Gerzak. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Hour. If you want to try, uh, chime in and talk with us, please give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. Our audio engineer, Bryce, our producer and mutual friend, Rob, will get those questions to us later on in the uh, fantasy feedback segment in the second half of the show. And I do know that we do have several starter sit questions. It is that time of year. Send them in to us now. We'll do our best to answer them uh, here on Friday nights, although we do reserve judgment that we could change your mind before uh, kickoff on Sunday afternoons. Uh, very exciting uh, time here for us, Dave, as we are underway in the fantasy season. We're coming up on week two. Those live events in uh, at Planet Hollywood this year in Las Vegas, another fantastic time. We got to catch up with a lot of people. We got to meet a lot of new people. I had a blast. How about you? Yeah, it was an awesome time, Balky. I uh, couldn't have had a better time, actually. Well, Saturday night wasn't the funnest. Saturday night was a little harrowing, but we got through it, and uh, none the worse for wear. You know, uh, it, it was a great time. It was a great week one. Not the greatest football was played in week one. It seemed like a lot of the offenses were a little bit behind the curve. We saw defenses reign supreme. Uh, I know Tupacker had an 18 parlay on a bunch of overs uh, that did not hit 
in week one. Probably one and seven. Yeah, it did not uh, did not do good. So, but it was a great time, and uh, we're we're excited for more football this weekend. Uh, before uh, we get started, we're going to bring in tonight's guest here in just a minute. I do want to remind everybody if you have not checked out the new Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, it is out rotoviz.com/podcast. You can check that out. We had Russ Axelrod. And we had uh, Nelson Sousa on there. Uh, Russ told a, a great story about why he was on Sports Center last year. The Today Show last year it was a great, uh, great time. Uh, a great story that he told, plus a lot of great fantasy football analysis. And Russ Axelrod, Dave, sixth place in the FFPC main event right now. So wow. great to hear from him. Great to hear from the defending champ, Nelson Sousa. And definitely great to hear from tonight's guest. I'm going to bring him right now. Right now he started his high-stakes career with a live draft in Las Vegas with the FFPC back in 2012, where he won his league as a high-stakes rookie. Since that time, he's added two dynasty teams, several football guys teams, three more main event teams, including another league championship in 2016, where he finished 41st overall last year. He's also won a couple of the most underrated leagues on the FFPC. His words, not mine, but they are underrated. The Terminator, of course, a great uh, format. We invite everybody to play that next year. Uh, But... Uh, let's welcome in uh, tonight's guest who is playing that this year, as well as a bunch of other stuff, and he is second place in the FFPC main event right now. Please welcome into the show Matt Kaifling. Matt, congrats on a big week one, man. Hey, thanks, Velky. I really appreciate that. It was uh, Dave, I don't know if you saw this exactly, but it was a 211 that Matt put up in the main event this past wow, week. Wow, that's nuts. Great score, get good enough for second place overall, so very exciting uh, to have you on the show, Matt, and you obviously uh, have quite uh, the high-stakes dossier behind you. Before we get into that, tell everybody what you do for a living when you're not playing high-stakes fantasy football. Well, uh, I've had a lot of changes over the last couple of years. I uh, recently retired after 20 years in the uh, Navy. I was a nuclear power operator. Um, so I retired from the Navy beginning of last year, and I really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I just kind of waited until something came along. And I got a call from one of the nation's uh, largest grocers and uh, basically got myself into a, a superintendent position uh, in maintenance uh, at one of their manufacturing plants. And uh, so I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. Um, and of course, you know, it takes up most of my time, uh, recently became a dad of twin daughters, which I'm very proud of and, and, uh, enjoy as much time with them as I can get. Yeah. Congratulations for sharing that, uh, Matt. And for anybody who is watching the, uh, the feed tonight live on blog talk radio, the photo that we have of Matt is with those twin daughters. But if you look in the background, there's a laptop right on the FFPC, uh, website there. So that is very cool. Like you said, Matt, uh, you do have your priorities straight there. So that's awesome. Military or nuclear <laughs> yeah. power in the military now to the grocery industry. Certainly uh, uh, an all-encompassing uh, uh, <laughs> look at uh, what you can accomplish uh, as a high-stakes fantasy football player. Yeah, I mean, who who knew that nuclear power would lead you into making salad dressing? You know, I mean, hey, <laughs> but it happens. That's a natural transition, right, Dave? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, for so, Matt, congrats <laughs> on the week one success. Uh, Got you second spot overall in the main event. Kareem Hunt felt you at the 104, which uh, it was a little bit of a rarity. He was going one, two, and three in a lot of drafts I saw. How hard of a decision was it for you to go with him there over guys like Antonio Brown, or was that just a total no-brainer? Yeah, I, I didn't really know if he was going to fall to me. Um, I, I personally would have taken David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell over him. Um, and so I was kind of hoping that at the 103 uh, was not going to take him. And when the news broke of Zeke Elliott's injunction kind of being lifted there, um, that that kind of was good news for me because he did go number three overall. Um, 
But once that happened, it was pretty much the easiest decision of the draft. Um, the night before watching that game against, you know, New England, I just remember thinking about midway through the third quarter that I might consider him. And then, you know, he broke up that long run to put him near 250 total yards. I knew, um, of course, once I knew I was going to take him, if he was available, I had to figure out a reason why I could take him. Uh, you know, so what I really figured out is I'm, you know, you're banking 47 points, uh, which is one of the unique aspects of the FFPC main event uh, is you draft on Friday or Saturday after the Thursday night game. So, you know, you know, going into drafting that player, you you know what points you're putting in the bank for week one, and, and you don't get that in too many leagues, and that's a ton of points to bank. Um, usually you see a few players from the Thursday night game that will go higher than typical. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're looking at a, a league that where 1,600 to 1,650 points at the end of the season is going to most likely put you in the playoffs, you know, 47 points is hard to pass up in the first round. Yeah, 47 points from one player in the first round. By the way, who could, you know, people, uh, Twitter was all a buzz about this. Like, oh, what's, what's with Kareem Hunt going so high? And, and I think that what people have to understand is, yeah, it's important that he got 47 points in week one, but this is a season-long draft. People are still drafting Kareem Hunt as if he is going to be a top-five player. And certainly everything we saw on the road in New England against the Super Bowl champs, uh, you know, in a hostile environment, and the fact that he plays in an offense that really likes to feature a running back, these are all things that bode very well for him being a top-five player at the end of the year. I don't think it was a bad pick at all, and obviously some people are even taking him one overall. So th- this could be the season of Kareem Hunt. Let's move on and talk about your third-round pick here, Matt, because you had an interesting decision. Obviously you go with Kareem Hunt in the first round. Maybe you're looking at tight end. Maybe you're looking at receiver. Maybe you're looking at something else in round three. You're looking at receiver there. You have Keenan Allen. You have Doug Baldwin. You have DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins all sitting there at the uh, at the at, in the third round for you. You went with Keenan Allen. Tell us why you went with Allen over Baldwin and Hopkins. Well, you know that's really that was the hardest uh, section of drafts this whole season for me. I was fortunate enough to get a lot of two, three, and four picks. Never got a number one, but I did get some two, three, and four picks. And uh, that two, three turn uh, in this year's draft just was really difficult, and, and I, I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do there because um, a lot of the players that were, were sitting there during that time, they're just not players that I really wanted to have a part of. Um, there, there's a lot of question marks. They all had their upside. They all had their pluses and minuses. But, um, you know, for me, I look at, uh, you know, someone like Keenan Allen, and I think that he's a first-round talent. And the only real question marks that Keenan Allen has isn't going to be his, his talent. It's not going to be his, his load share. Um, the only real question for him was his health. You know, so, uh, you know, an ACL injury last year, which, which sidelines a lot of players for a season, um, but you see him come back strong. The year before that, it was a lacerated kidney. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of a fluke accident. So I don't really see him or view him as being injury prone. Um, I love the the quarterback play there in uh, uh, compared to obviously Houston um, I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers every time and and the one thing about Doug Baldwin where I don't uh, care for is just the inconsistency I mean he put up 200 almost 250 points last year in fantasy but if you really look close at that almost half of those were done in four weeks um, so you're not really getting a consistent 
um, player where you're going to know what you're going to get from him every week. Now, he had a, a, an okay floor, um, but I kind of try to shy away from those players who don't have that week-to-week consistency. So, uh, you know, when you believe in a guy's talent and, and it's a first-round talent and, and he's sitting there for you in the third round and you've gone running back, running back to start your draft, um, you can look at tight end, especially in the FFPC. That's, that's important. But uh, I think Keenan Allen was a, a great value there. And, and if he stays healthy, I believe that he's going he's gonna to help me stay near the top of my league and hopefully top of everything. You know, Dave, as Matt was, was answering that question, I thought of this too. If Keenan Allen stays healthy all season, catches 100 passes, 110 passes or whatever it is, which after we saw what he did in week one, not all that unreasonable, um, he gets his, you know, 100, 110, gets like, you know, 1,200 receiving yards, maybe seven, eight touchdowns. People are looking at him in the first round in 2018 drafts again. Well, they maybe can, if he does all that, Bulky, you are certainly uh, correct. Yeah, I, I totally think that, that, that all he's got to do is stay healthy and turns value on I don't think it's 110 catches. I don't know if he will, but it's possible. Or 100 catches. You might get 100. I got 500. Your ninth round pick, Adam Thielen, crushed <laughs> it this week against the Saints with nine grabs for 157 yards. Was this a case of him going against a bad pass defense? I think that's definitely something we can say yes to. But uh, beyond that, can we expect more big games from him uh, going forward? Yeah, I think it was definitely um, part of it, him going up against a bad defense there. Um uh, but you know, in the main event, uh, you know, in fantasy football, that's that's really kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for that guy that you get in the ninth, tenth, eleventh round, put him up against those uh, the, in those really good matchups in your flex position, and hope he goes off for you know 25 points, which is what you know Adam Thielen did for me last week. Um, but it's kind of more than that with him, I think, because you know he really broke in. To the offense last year and you know by the end of the year he had played in about you know 75 percent of the team's snaps and um you know I, I when they moved him to the the uh slot position during the preseason I really thought that that was just a sign that they were intending to use him more and focus on him a little bit um he was able to run all all the routes he's got nice hands you know he's not the biggest he's not the fastest not the strongest um but he gets open uh, he gets the ball in his hands and, and, and he can, you know, make the, the catches in traffic. And I, and I think that's uh, pretty important for a possession receiver to have. And possession receivers in a flex position in the FFPC is, is really what I think bolts you to the top. You know, guys like Eric Decker or, you know, Wes Welker back in the day, those guys are, are usually underrated. They usually go later in drafts and you can get a lot of points from them week to week. They usually have a pretty high floor and, you know, they can have some pretty good upside. The other thing I liked about it was seeing him actually get those, uh, get those points while Stefan Diggs actually got his points as well. So, you know, being able to see them coexist in the, in, in the offense was nice. Um, hopefully this isn't the case of Minnesota, you know, having the first week, amazing week like they did last season and then fall off the rest of the year. But um, I, I think that we're going to see a lot more of that from Adam Thielen this year. I think he's, He's got it going on. And I also did read an interesting stat today that uh, this was the first time in his career that he played 100% of the snaps there in Minnesota. Um, and only um, Bradford and a couple of offensive linemen can say that. So they're definitely going to use him this year. And I think you can see by the end of the year, I can see him kind of putting up numbers uh, similar or even better than Cole Beasley did last year at Dallas, where he led Dallas in receptions, targets, and yards. So definitely – Definitely expect to see more from Thielen this year. 
Thielen is definitely a guy that I wished I would have gotten on more teams this year, especially. I mean, I understand, you know, it's just against the Saints in week one, and, and we'll see if the proof is in the pudding here in week two when they go up against Pittsburgh, a quote-unquote real defense. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think everything that uh, you saw in week one from Thielen has to have you uh, definitely being encouraged. Let's get into uh, the waiver wire this week. Uh, always the, uh, an exciting thing to talk about here after week one because people have – this is the biggest the budgets will be all season long uh, in, uh, in the FFPC, and uh, a lot of uh, money got tossed around once again this year. Now, you uh, bid, Matt, in your, in your main event, uh, $301 on Kerwin-Williams, and it was the exact same amount as Brian Owens – uh, but you actually lost out on Kerwin Williams on the points tiebreaker since you put up a 211 against Brian Owens in week one. So Brian Owens gets him. Let's talk about these Cardinals running backs. What do you foresee happening uh, with Williams, with Chris Johnson, with Andre Ellington, uh, the rest of the way as far as fantasy value goes? Well, first off, I have to congratulate Brian Owens because he got me on that one. You know, uh, he, he didn't have as good of a week as I did. So, you know, he won the tiebreaker on that. But Considering the fact that he's sitting at number one overall in the tournament and he's the only person above me, you know, I gotta give him big congratulations for that. So from a different league, he put up the two thirteen that beat me. So pretty impressive what he's doing, and I think he's gonna be a challenge all year. Um, yeah, as far as the Arizona running backs, it's kind of I, I don't know. Um, I don't see a, a workhorse there. Uh, obviously, nobody's gonna really take the place of David Johnson. Um, Kerwin Williams, I can kind of see him getting the first down, second down carries. Maybe they bring in Ellington for third down. Chris Johnson comes in to spell him a little bit. Um, and if I had to guess, I'm going to say that that split's going to be somewhere around a 45 to 35, uh, with 20% going to, uh, you know, Chris Johnson spelling him for time a little bit. I, I just don't see any one of those running backs really being three down backs anymore. I don't think Bruce Arians is going to trust them in, you know, to, to carry the load like he would with David Johnson. Um, and I think it's going to change their offensive scheme and game plan quite a bit, um, particularly this coming week. Uh, you know, they're playing a bad Colts team. And, I, you know, I think if, if Kerwin Williams gets in the game and gets him consistently, that, uh, that, that game script sets up real nicely for him to have a good game this week. Um, but I just don't see going forward, you know, they're going to have some tougher matchups. They're going to play Seattle a couple times. They'll play the Rams a couple times. So, you know, I don't see them um, being necessarily a stub, but I do see them as being people that's – Kerwin Williams specifically being someone you can plug in at the flex during bye weeks, um, you know, when you need, when you need to get some, some points on the board. Hey, Matt, I, I know you said earlier when we were talking to you um, that you did not get any number one picks this year, so I'm assuming you don't have any David Johnson, but if you did, uh, would you be trying to hold on to him right now or you just want to wash your hands of him, get rid of him, and, and try to take a flyer in his uh, to take up his roster spot to try to hit on something? You know, that's a really good question. The, the main event, the FFBC, you know, they have um, fairly deep benches. I'm not dropping David Johnson. <laughs> if there's a chance he comes back, especially for the playoffs, um, you know, getting to the playoffs, you know, you sometimes you might have to scrap and claw to, to fight and get your points. You reach that 1600, you know, 1650 point number at the end of the season, you're probably in the playoffs. And if David Johnson comes back, uh, you've got an advantage over every other team in that league. So no, I'm not dropping David Johnson if I do have him. Uh, and you're correct, I don't have him in, in anywhere. So it's easy for me to make that statement but um you know i just I, I can't see putting that guy on the waiver wire 
So speaking of a player that you did win in waivers, let's talk about Nelson Aguilar. You got him for 201. And all your league mates, by the way, should all bid with O2s on any of their bids against you. <laughs> um, proving that his performance was definitely no fluke. So, uh, and I was watching him, too. Aguilar looked great, actually. I, I couldn't believe it was the same player we had seen flopping around the other two years. But what kind of end-of-season numbers do you believe we are looking at this year for Nelson Aguilar? Yeah, I, see, I don't know if I'm as much a believe. He did look good. Um, more of this was just, um, you know, I, I was willing to drop some capital, take a chance on a guy – you know, he was fairly touted coming out of college, taken 20th overall, you know, by Philadelphia. Um, you know, and, and nowadays it, it, it almost seems like when a, when a wide receiver goes in the first round, everybody expects him to come in and put up, you know, 80 catches for 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, you know, in their rookie year. And um, it wasn't that long ago that, that a wide receiver's third year was when you could really expect to see them improve and break out. And it, it, things just clicked with the wide receiver in their third year, you know. Um, so, you know, and there wasn't very many players that broke that, that mold, you know, I guess Randy Moss, you know, comes to mind as a guy who did it, you know, his rookie year in 98. Um, but I think that trend really kind of started to shift yet, you know, back in 2011, you had Julio and AJ Green came out, um, and they both performed right away. Um, then you had, uh, you know, a few years later, you got a draft class that had Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, you know, 2015 Amari Cooper, last year Michael Thomas. I mean, these receivers are now coming out of college way more ready to be in the pros than they ever were before. Um, so we get this idea in fantasy, we get this recency bias in our head that if a guy's not good in his first year or even his second year, that he's never going to be a good receiver. I mean, look how long it took for Michael Crabtree to become relevant in the NFL, much less in fantasy. Now he's, you know, fourth, fifth round pick. I, I took him in the fourth round myself. He's you know, he's, he's a guy that scores touchdowns and puts up points. But, you know, his first few years in San, San Francisco, nobody wanted to touch him because he, he just wasn't very good. Um, and I kind of think Aguilar is going to fall into that realm. It just took him a little longer, you know, to figure things out. You Remember, he came out after his junior year, so he wasn't this, this polished college receiver either. So, you know, I think he gets some good matchups across from Alshon Jeffrey. If he can catch 75 to 80% of his targets – which is a big if, you know, um, but I think he can have a lot of value for the, you know, an upside for the bye weeks. Um, I'm not really great at prognosticating end of season numbers. So I'm just going to, you know, take a stab and say maybe 65 catches, 830 yards and about six touchdowns. Yeah, which is definitely, I mean, if he puts up those numbers, which I don't think are, are you know, all that crazy, I think that you might, might actually be being a little bit conservative after what we saw I'm, in week I'm one, but be, yeah. I, if I mean, if he ends up doing that, I mean, that's a fantastic buy off the waiver wire uh, for anybody who was lucky enough to draft him. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is certainly a, a good guy to uh, to be taking up a, a bench spot on your roster until you need him. And bear this in mind too, people. This is Aguilar is playing on a team that um, traded away Jordan Matthews. Uh, that really has, I mean, has Zach Ertz a tight end who has you know been known to have bouts with the training table. Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, has has always been hurt throughout his entire career, so you have that uh, going for Aguilar as well. And then Torrey Smith, who obviously has been a very underperforming wide receiver in his career, the the opportunity is there uh, in this offense with uh, with Doug Peterson, who likes to throw the football a lot. The opportunity is there for Aguilar, so I, I think uh, anybody lucky enough to have him on their roster right now is is going to have a, a bit of an ace in the hole as the season wears on. Now, a guy who is sort of the complete opposite of that after week one is Kenny Britt. Now, this is a guy that was pimped up by a lot of outlets. 
uh, as a great mid-round uh, receiver option for anybody who wanted to bolster their receiver core uh, halfway through the draft. Now, he was pretty bad in week one. Let a lot of people down. There's talk about him potentially being benched, losing his uh, roster or uh, his uh, starting spots, maybe Casey Williams or somebody like that. Do you think, Matt, that, that we should be expecting more of what we saw for him in week one? Uh, and and Casey Williams, should he be bought off the waiver wire if he's still out there right now? Well, you know, I guess you could say your eyes will answer that question if you can handle even watching a Browns game, which, you know, I don't know if you can. Um, but I guess if you're listening to the show, you're probably interested in anything NFL, so maybe a Browns game's not too bad. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They they, they, they were kind of talking about Kenny Britt as being that, that mid-round mid sleeper guy that, you know, last year he was in a terrible offense with a with historically bad quarterback play, and he put up great numbers and had a 1,000-yard season. Um, and then he goes to Cleveland, and he basically starts over with a totally bad quarterback and a not great team, and everybody thinks he's going to repeat the same thing in a different scheme and a different system. Now, it's one week. I wouldn't write him off. Um, you know, he's not going to have weeks that bad again, I don't think. I, I mean, he's he's still a professional football player. He still, you know, can can make plays, and he did it last year. Um, again, I, with him, I didn't draft him anywhere, so that's kind of easy for me to say. Um, but I think the difference, you know, you, you see a rapport being built between uh, Kaiser and Corey Coleman, and I think Corey Coleman is really the one you, you want to be watching for. You know, if he, if you got him, I think you, you made a good pick. Um you know, r- rookie quarterbacks, they have a tendency to lock on the guys early and, and target them often. You know, they, they get comfortable with the guy and they want to throw him the ball. Um, we saw Coleman flash a little last year. Um, he didn't quite live up to the hype after coming back, you know, with from his injury. But, uh, you know, it, week nine on, he didn't even have more than 41 yards or, or five catches in any game. So it's not like he was a world beater, but, I mean, he's doing that with, you know, backups to backup quarterbacks in, in Cleveland. So, you know, I think we need to build that rapport with Kaiser. I really think Corey Coleman's the guy um, you're going to be looking for. You know, I, I got to be honest with you, 100%. Um, I actually had to look up Casey Williams because uh, I wasn't – I didn't really know a whole lot about him. Um, he, he did get a target. You know, he just only been on the Browns, been picked up. Uh, he's been there a week and a half now. He did get a target, didn't make the reception. Um, but that's an interesting one going forward if you look at – uh, you know, the, the possibility of an opening there uh, in the wide receiver position. Uh, he showed some talent in the preseason. Uh, and that wide receiver core does have some question marks. So he could probably break in and get in the number three, number three receiver job. But, um, you know, I just don't see enough targets to really make him a viable starter, even as a flex. I just don't see that as a high-volume passing offense, you know, that's going to get enough points to make it, uh, you know, worth – uh, blowing some capital on, um, at least not in redraft. I could definitely see picking them up in a dynasty type format. Yeah, Dave, that uh, that wager that I got five on it we made between uh, Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman certainly looking very good for you right now after a week, <laughs> what is, one week of play. I, you know, I don't even think that we that we did a point spread on. I think it was just more points, more FFPC points on the entire season straight up between Coleman and Britt. So oh, yeah, that's yeah nice. look not not looking good. Uh, for me at all. Hey, question in the chat uh, for you, and we're talking with Matt Keifling, the uh, second-place team in the FFPC main event right now. This is from uh, Triple J, Jimmy Wagner. He's got a quarterback uh, decision that he has to make. It is either going to be Tyrod Taylor at Carolina this week or Eli Manning at home against the Lions on Monday night football. If you were faced with that decision, Matt, 
who would you be uh, playing, mm-hmm. Taylor against the Panthers or Eli Manning against the Lions? Well, I don't think Odell Beckham's going to play this week. That, that's just a hunch I have. I have no real proof to back that up. The way he's talking, the body language you see, um, and Eli Manning's not going to be the same quarterback without Odell Beckham. Unfortunately, it's a Monday night game, so you're going to have to make that decision on Sunday uh, if you're going to start Eli Manning. I'm going with Tyrod Taylor. I, I don't think Carolina's defense is, is, is great. I don't think it'll be top ten end of the year. Um, I think they're decent. But, you know, Tyrod's always got those, uh, those, those legs as weapons. And in fantasy, that can be really valuable. Um, and, and I just think that, uh, you know, he, he's, he doesn't, he's, he's got some dump-off passes. LaShawn McCoy's got Charles Clay, who I think is a, is a real good uh, potential sleeper candidate if he is considered a sleeper still. Um, and I, and I, think he, I think they can move the ball against the Carolina defense. So I'm not really trusting Eli. Um, you know, Detroit – uh, is is kind of sneaky good on defense. They'll they'll stop you when you don't expect them to, and then they'll let you go when when you do expect them to stop you. So, um, me personally, if I have to make that decision, I'm going with the running quarterback who's going to get points on the ground. You know, one of the things that I always, when I'm faced with these decisions between quarterbacks, two two of the things that I always look to as quote unquote tiebreakers is which quarterback is playing at home, and then which quarterback has the uh, ability to get points with his legs. Well, here we have Eli Manning playing at home and Tyrod Taylor on the road, but Taylor, obviously the more mobile of the two uh, than Eli Manning. I think I am, I am with uh, Matt on this one that I would be leaning towards Tyrod Taylor, but there is something to be said, Dave, and I know this is a tiebreaker for you, the lights of Monday night football, the primetime lights of Eli Manning. So which one would you be playing Tyrod Taylor at Carolina or Eli Manning at home against the lions on Monday night? I mean, I hate starting Eli, but I'd probably start Eli. Go with Eli, go with the home quarterback. Yeah, I mean, home quarterback, you're just comfortable. Even if Odell's not there, he still has Evan Ingram. He's got some talent. He's got Shepard and Marshall, I guess, I mean, if he's doing anything. I really, I think Eli's lost a lot. I think his skills are really deteriorating. So um, that does concern me. But, I mean, on the road at Carolina, that's a tough matchup. That is a tough matchup for sure. Uh, Let's uh, keep it going with the questions here. And Dave has one for you. And this is an interesting one, too, because we had uh, the the game last night uh, between the Bengals and the Texans and this Obviously affected it. Dave, fire away whenever you're set. Yeah, that's another uh, beautiful Thursday night game. 13-9 to was the final. <laughs> right. And uh, the, the, the Cincinnati running backs combined for a whopping – this is three running backs, mind you – 12.6 fantasy points in PPR. <laughs> that's, that's not one person. That's all three combined. So let's uh, – Geo got 4.6 fantasy points, five rushes for 10 yards, two catches for 16. Uh, Jeremy Hill, six rushes for 17 yards and one catch for two yards. I mean, Jerome Bettis would be embarrassed. Yeah, worst yep. Thing. And Nixon, you know, <laughs> led the pack with 36 yards, nine rushes, and uh, one catch for five yards. So what do you make of this? I mean, do you think that, uh, I mean, do you think that the, the coaches are just throwing in the towel on Jeremy Hill and Geo, and they're going to go with Mixon? Or do you think that it's going to remain like this uh, three-horse, I don't know, like three horses that should be taken to the glue factory race? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I live in Cincinnati. I work in Cincinnati. I've been a Cincinnati Bengals fan my whole life. So this is a question that is, Hopefully not gonna get me too worked up, <laughs> but um, you know, I, you know, I don't think you trust any of these guys in your lineup right now. I think you got to wait and see how it sorts out. Um, the the good pieces of news that came out of this whole situation of last night and you know the first team in over seventy five years to not score a touchdown at home in their first two weeks uh, is the fact that they fired their offensive coordinator today and replaced him with the quarterback coach. So you know that's that's got to be positive because they can't possibly get any worse than what they've been doing. And, and those running backs, you know, 
um, a three-headed monster. You know, if you look back at Arizona, two teams, the Cincinnati and Arizona, that that have followed a similar path over the past couple of years, came into last season high expectations, you know, underperformed. This season now they're in a similar situation where they've got three running backs and they don't know who to who to play. But in Cincinnati, um, I'm not starting any one of them fantasy until this thing works itself out. I don't think anybody will deny that Joe Mixon is the most talented running back on the roster, uh, and Jeremy Hill is not. Uh, so <laughs> I, I personally, you know, I, I was picking Jeremy Hill up all over the place in the 14th and 15th round thinking Marvin Lewis is, is, is stubborn, he's going to keep playing Hill, and so far he's been proving me right. Unfortunately, Jeremy Hill has been proving just how bad he is, especially behind a just a really not good offensive line. So, you know, until they, they shore some things up, see what we're going to get from um, the new offensive coordinator. And I, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, see what he's going to do. Maybe he's got more imagination than, you know, a, a stick in the you know mud, which is what um, Ken Zampezi had. He had he had no imagination. Um, so I think you got to just sit these guys until you see something actually starting to happen, either – the offensive line has to shore up. Andy Dalton's got to figure out, you know, how to play quarterback again. Maybe he can go through his old notes from college or something, you know, how to throw the ball right. And, uh, you know, in the future, I think you see Joe Mixon as the guy. Um, Geo, change of pace, you know, third down type back guy maybe. But um, right now, now they're on the bench. And you could probably almost drop Jeremy Hill at this point if you have him. Yeah, I'm curious because uh, because you're in Cincinnati, Matt. This is interesting because this news just happened today where, where Ken Sampezi is fired. Now, the, the quarterback coach that, that took over, as you alluded to, that's Bill Lazor, who was uh, right, the offensive right. coordinator in Miami under Joe Philbin, where uh, passing the ball was a good alternative to passing the ball. So I, I do believe <laughs> that we'll see more passing in Cincinnati now. I'm curious if we take the running backs out of this uh, out of the equation with Laser taking over, and I don't even know, maybe you don't have an opinion on this yet because it is still uh, so brand new. Does this, I mean, this has to be good for A.J. Green. It, is, is this a significant step forward in his fantasy value for Green right now? Does this change uh, what we thought of LaFell or maybe John Ross or, or Eifert? How does, how does uh, uh, Bill Lazor, being the new offensive coordinator, does this have any discernible uh, effect on the uh, Bengals passing game as we know it right now? I think it has to. Um, you know, I, A.J. Green came out after that game, and he was not happy, and he's He's saying, I don't know what the problem is, but I know I'm not getting the ball enough. And, you know, if you have really paid attention to A.J. Green, uh, his career, um, he is like the antithesis to Terrell Owens. He is like the opposite of ego. He is not a all-about-me type of player. He never has been. He's always been humble. He's, you know, he's got good work ethic. He, he's a teammate. He's a team player. So for him to come out after and publicly say, you know, I need to get the ball more, uh, speaks volumes about just how bad it must have been under Ken Zampezi. So, you know, Bill Lazor, he can only help this offense. And, I, and you know, I know there's a few frustrated A.J. Green owners out there, um, you know, because you had to take him in the first round to get him, and you're getting, you know, 10 points a week from him, if that. And and I think you're going to see an improvement. And I think it starts next week. They go to Green Bay, um, a little easier defense uh, to deal with than Houston or Baltimore. And, um although I don't necessarily think that there's, you know, they, they did look good against Seattle, which also has a bad offensive line. Um, but I think A.J. Green starts getting his starting this, this next coming Sunday after, you know, 
the 10 day rest. Yeah. And they'll have those uh, few extra days to prep for uh, the Packers for sure, which is always good when you're uh, getting in a new offensive coordinator. Let's get to the emails here uh, for you, Matt. A couple of them that came in for you this week. This is John in Asheboro, North Carolina. Hey Matt, congrats on a big week. One man, is there anyone that you missed on in your drafts this year that you wish you would have gotten more? Thank you. That is John in Asheboro, North Carolina. John, thank you so much for the email. Is there, I mean, it's, it's early in the season, uh, Matt, but is there any regrets? Was there any guy that you're like, man, I, I, you know, I was so close to getting him here. I really wish I would have targeted him more. Is there anybody that, uh, that is on your list right now of, of I wish I would have? Do we still have Matt? You know, it's one of can those things me? where, yeah, I, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, it, it's actually, that's an interesting email because, um, the main event, you know, I, I had a good week one, um, but uh, the main event, I I actually went away from my normal drafting style. Uh, I, I'm normally a value drafter, um, been a football guy's member since 2005, and, you know, just really kind of incorporated that into my psyche. And so I, I typically draft for value, but um, Labor Day, the Monday before, I had done a football guy's draft, and I was trying to draft for value, and I missed out on every single player uh, that I was looking to get. I mean, Keenan Allen went before, I, you know, right before I wanted him, and and Jordan Howard went right before him, and 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 all these guys, and and you know, it, was, it really kind of changed my focus on the whole main event thing. And I actually subscribed finally to the idea of, hey, just go get your guys. Don't worry about the round as much, you know, you know, within a round or two, don't worry about it. But go get your guys. And I had never really drafted that way before and I look over my team now and uh, I'm I'm super happy uh, obviously with hindsight 2020 I wish I had more cream hunt <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't really draft him almost anywhere before you know before the big week um, uh, I missed out on Pierre Garcon a lot he started moving up draft boards really really rapidly over the month of uh, August and, and starting into September Pierre Garcon I mean he was going 10th, 11th, 12th round at the beginning of August. And by the, you know, beginning of September, he's, he's sixth and seventh round. So um, I wish I would have gotten more shares of him. Um, I, I think you'll see him start to emerge a little more. Um, uh, at least I hope so. Uh, but that, those are a couple of guys that I would, I wish I had more shares of. Second place in the uh, FFPC main event. Went out and got his guys. Look where it got him, Dave. Just another happy customer <laughs> to the bulky school of fantasy football. Yeah, but, you know, it's so brilliant. It's so, it, the brilliance is the simplicity. I was just to say, it's so obvious, right? Yeah. Okay, draft the guys that you want to draft. You I know? don't even know how we do the show. Well, because we can I, tell people that. We spend 90 minutes every week telling people the same this. crap. Bill in Chicago, Illinois. What's up, Matt? What was the most important waiver pickup for you this past Wednesday in any of your leagues? Well, we know, thanks for the email, by the way, Bill. We know you got Nelson. And Aguilar in uh, the main event, but when we when we bring into the other uh, your other leagues into effect, was there anyone that you were really happy about getting besides Aguilar? Um, you know, most of the leagues that I was in, um, you know, the the big waiver wire darlings this week, uh, you know, Tariq Cohen was was pretty much taken for the most part, um, and, and I saw some the ones that he wasn't taken, I saw some crazy numbers like. 75, 80% of, of fab dollars to get him. So I was never going to get him for that value. Um, it, it sounds kind of sad, but I'm a, a you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a streaming defense kind of guy. So, so picking up the, the Ravens defense um, or, or 
the uh, the Raiders defense this week was was I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get value for that this week. So I didn't really hit the waiver wire too hard. I don't like to you know overreact or underreact too much to week one. So really for me it was just kind of all about shoring up some defenses going forward for a couple weeks and and seeing where that takes me and, and kind of waiting. Um, so we'll see where that goes. I like the Ra- I like the Ravens and the Raiders pickups a lot this year. The really, defenses, yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, I do too. It's it's so underrated. You can always not always, but you can if you're getting these things, you can kind of pick up an extra five ten points when you don't even realize it. Also, you for cheap, yeah, average defense, and you add those guys. Raider or the Ravens actually might be keepers for the season. Actually, I think so too. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. All right, Matt, uh, we're looking for our final question here. Give us a stud that you would actually consider benching this week, and a sleeper that just might find his way into your fantasy lineups. So I, I hear you guys ask this question a lot, <laughs> um, and, and I've always felt, you know, I've always felt like um, it's kind of a two-part question because in order for you to even consider benching a stud, you've got to have somebody worth putting in his place. Um, so you know, I kind of, I kind of uh, messed your question up a little bit, and I came up with kind of a short little four four wide receiver ranking of how I would put guys into a lineup this week, um, Ooh, and, and it'll kind of tell you what my what my sleepers and, and, and uh, duds are for the week. So, you know, the top guy on my list is J.J. Nelson uh, out of Arizona. You know, I've already talked about how bad Indianapolis has looked, um, and, and they're losing defensive players. Uh, Carson Palmer looked ridiculously bad last week. Um, I think he's going to shore that up a little bit. I think J.J. Nelson has a chance to, to really – uh, get you some some fantasy points, and I would start him ahead of my second guy, which is Des Bryant. Um, going into you know going into Denver, or, I, I just don't like that matchup. I I've not, I've not really been sold on Des Bryant. I'm, I'm not. I can't put my finger on why. It just he, they just don't seem in sync. You saw like three straight targets in the end zone last week, uh, and, and two of them weren't even really close. Um, so I, I'm just not a big believer in going against a, a really good defense. I'm gonna I'm I'm probably benching Des Bryant for J.J. Nelson. Um, my number three guy on the list there is, is Muhammad Sanu out of Atlanta. Um, going against a Packers defense that will give up the passing yards, um, I think Julio is going to get his. Um, and, and Muhammad Sanu is that possession guy. They use him on third down quite a bit. Um, I really like the way he can um, get those catches and, and get some yards. And um, I, I think that he could be useful this week. And, and I'm starting him over T.Y. Hilton for sure because – let, let's face it, uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Scott Tolzien, whoever it is throwing the ball, if it's not Andrew Luck there in Indianapolis, I don't trust him. And T.Y. Hilton going against the Arizona defense, he's not going to see much looks. Uh, I'm putting him on the bench this week. Fortune favors the bold, and fortune certainly has been favoring uh, Matt Keifling so far. So interesting stuff there. I, I like it. Nelson, Bryant, Sanu, and Hilton in that order. Uh, very interesting stuff. Matt, it, the whole interview the, tonight was really interesting, brought a lot of stuff to the table. We certainly appreciate you coming on. I certainly appreciate you listening to the show, too, which I know you do. Uh, that is awesome, too, that we can get a, a longtime listener on the show, especially one that is sitting in second place in the FFPC main event. It is very early. Who knows what will happen the rest of the season, but uh, I think there's a lot of guys uh, that would much rather be in your position, Matt, than, uh, than their own right now. So thanks so much for joining the show tonight. Best of luck to you the rest of the way. Hey, thanks a lot, Balky. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Matt Keifling, ladies and gentlemen, second place in the FFPC main event right now. 
Getting Kareem Hunt, the 104, that certainly is uh, is uh, fortunate. It turned into value based on the way that opening game went. Don't you think it could have been interesting if that Elliott news would have come out a little bit earlier in the week? Because like it became official, right, right. Um, you know, I During think it was drafts. Saturday, Friday or Saturday, Friday night drafts, right? Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was mid afternoon during some drafts. Okay. Maybe Friday afternoon. A drafts. Friday afternoon drafts. Okay. So now all of a sudden, like it was David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, right? Now all of a sudden you have David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott's back in the mix. Kareem Hunt is mm-hmm. back in the mix. You still have Antonio Brown, who's like the number one receiver every year mm-hmm. in the conversation. All of a sudden, like a top five pick is looking like money. It is. Yeah. Until uh, David Johnson gets hurt. Now that's one and of those things. And Bell puts up nine points. Well, that, but it's early with Bell. I don't think anybody is super concerned. Are you concerned with Bell right now? Well, I, I think if I was a person that was, you know, all those staunch Twitter people, oh, blah, 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 we're not taking Kareem Hunt early. Right, yeah. I was making the case to you in Las Vegas that, you know, 47 points, 47.6 points. Yeah. You take that away from, like, a number two overall running back, and you divide that number by 15, and you're only looking at, like, 18 fantasy points a week. That's all Hunt needs to put up for the rest of the season, yeah. 18 points a week. If you think he can do that, he's going to be a top one or two fantasy running back. I think if I, if I drafted Le'Veon, obviously David Johnson, I'd be really mad. If I drafted uh, Le'Veon, and that's just a fluke, bad luck. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell, though, I honestly would be really regretting my Le'Veon Bell choice by having I just gave up 40 points already, already in week one. Uh, I know Bell, you know, he had that, it, he, was, it, he was off and everything, and he didn't have a true training camp. But I, I feel like Hunt's definitely the real deal. And I mean, that's what, 40 points is a lot to make up. Right. And Elliott does not come into the conversation for you. Um, it, it would have been Johnson, Bell, or Hunt. Elliott would have been you know, a four. Elliott, if I had drafted Elliott over Hunt, I wouldn't be regretting that. He looked right. good. I mean, yeah, the offense looked good. So. Any, any concern? Because now we got the news coming out uh, this week that the NFL has filed an appeal to the injunction that he got, and they want a resolution on that by the end of the month. Any concern that Elliott will be serving a suspension at some point this year now? <laughs> I think I think that's pretty unlikely. I think that's probably like a twenty percent chance, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I have not done a ton of research on right. it. Right. But uh, remember, we were talking about that poll. How many games do you think Elliott would miss? And I actually, at some point, said zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was proven right. But I got kind of lucky. I actually thought I was going to lose out on that. Right. Um, I will say this: if you listen to the On the Couch podcast with Sigmund Bloom this past week, uh, you know, I understand. I, I missed it. You, you had a busy week. That's fine. But uh, Paul Charchian was actually on there, and um, Charchian was actually they, – they were talking about this Elliott suspension, and he said – and I can't remember what he backed it up with, but he, he was pretty confident that for, a lower, for, for another court to go over the top of the, this lower court and reverse that decision, is, it almost never happens. Very rarely. Very rarely happens. So if you've got Elliott, you should probably rest pretty easy that he is okay. going to – Right. Um, one other thing that uh, I thought of when we were talking to Matt there about these, first of all, it, I love the NFL. By the way, I'm gonna interrupt a little quick. Yeah, NFL is so weird. I mean, like yes, it is. I just you know you just, why? I mean, this is something they could have really. We've talked about this a little bit privately, I think, where they could have just accepted the the prosecutors and said, you know, we looked into it as well. They didn't find it, you know enough evidence, so yeah, we don't either. So whatever, and not done anything. Right. But instead, they have to turn this into this big brouhaha, which See, only attracts more and more attention to this. I mean, which there's nothing, I mean, that's actually good to attract attention to preventing domestic violence. Right. But, I mean, come on. I mean, they, this is not good for their brand. I don't know how stupid right. they are. And I don't want to turn this into a whole domestic violence, blah, 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 you know, but we're the fantasy show, but I will just make this point. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think because of the Ray Rice thing, they really want to knock these do- domestic violence things out of the park. And the fact that they are being so, uh, uh, 
you know, this is, this is such a forefront of the conversation because they're exhausting every possible thing. They want to make sure that if there's a shred of guilt here, that they're punishing they're that over, guilt. They're over-enforcing it. They're over-enforcing it, exactly. For, maybe teaching a few lessons. A maybe. Bit. I mean, that could those, be. Those don't really work. Uh, so the other thing I was going to bring up, first of all, I like the, the bold calls on uh, the receivers uh, for Matt Keifling tonight. Nelson, Bryant, Sanu, uh, Hilton, if you were to have those four, if you're making a decision, that's how he would I, I don't know that I'm putting Nelson over Des. Sorry. Okay. Now, okay. <laughs> I respect that. But, we, uh, we actually have an interesting Des Bryant one coming up at, later on, but uh, I was actually um, I was on uh, another show uh, on the, the Appleton Trophy Fantasy Football uh, weekly show on our local radio station here. Nice. Which, which you can listen, by the way, online. <laughs> TheScoreWI.com, 555 uh, yeah. to 7, Thursday yeah. nights, uh, Eastern Time. Nice. So we were talking about, we had a starter sit uh, question from a caller there. T.Y. Hilton or Cooper Cup, who would you be starting this week? Now, Jacoby Brissett is the starter at, at Indianapolis, we know. But uh, they're still playing the, the Cardinals. Uh, they get the Cardinals at home. T.Y. Hilton at home against the Cardinals. Or uh, Cooper Cup was the other option. Cooper Cup is also at home against the Redskins. Which one would you be playing there if you had to play one? I would still start T.Y. Hilton. I said that, too, and was vilified for that. Like, did you watch the game last week, Balky? Yeah, I did. It was really pathetic. But I don't think I can start Cooper Cup over uh, a T.Y. Hilton. You know, just the fact that the, uh, the talent gap, you know, is so massive between the two. Plus, Cup only caught four passes. It's not like he caught, like, ten balls last week. Right. I mean, a, a rookie in his second game, right. this is a, you know, all for a wide receiver with, granted, really problematic quarterback play last week. I mean, we haven't seen Brissett throw to T.Y. Hilton in a regular season game. So right. We don't know. We don't know for sure. We do know that uh, Hilton's a lot better than Dante Moncrief. We know he's a lot better than the tight end options that they have. And so that, you know, if they're going to throw the ball, he's probably going to get, he's going to get, it, uh, they're a seven-point dog yeah. at home against yep. Arizona. So if they're losing that game, he's going to get at least seven to eight targets. I mean, I feel probably more like a dozen, even if they're crappy targets. I mean, you get a dozen targets, that's five, six catches, even if they're really not well-thrown balls. Uh, Deshaun Watson, look what he did. First, first NFL start. What did he do? He peppered his number one playmaker, DeAndre Hopkins, with a ton of targets. Right. Um, Peter Overzet, who actually hosted the Fantasyland podcast uh, out at uh, Planet Hollywood, uh, tweeted out um, a picture of Deshaun Watson throwing to Hopkins, and he's like, saw something effective. Find somebody in life that looks at you the way Deshaun Watson looks at DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins when he's under pressure, really which is totally you know appropriate uh, for uh, you know life and fantasy football. Throw it up to the playmakers and make let them let them make plays. And that's what AJ Green said. And look what they did. They fired the OC, and hopefully that's what we see more of uh, right. going forward. I want to thank football guys Roto Pass and Rob, as well as Roto World, for tonight's rundown. Let's get into this Odell Beckham uh, news. Diana Marie Rossini from ESPN.com said that. Uh, Odell Beckham says his ankle was originally, or he was told his ankle would re- originally require six to eight weeks of recovery before he could get back on the field. One month ago, uh, if you remember in that preseason game, is when he suffered the injury. So this is uh, concerning for anybody who drafted Beckham, thinking like he's a 50-50 shot to play week one. Well, he didn't play week one. Now week two's in question. Now the latest I saw on Roto World, a lot of sources are saying that he is actually going to give it a go on Monday Night Football. Uh, so if you have him, I would still hedge a little bit and try to have some option. Here, the one league I own Od- Odell Beckham in. I had the choice between starting Beckham or John Brown. Well, John Brown is out, so that's easy. But now I could still play Beckham, and I didn't look at what my other option is, but I do have Marvin Jones on Monday night, so I can stick Marvin Jones in there if that's Beckham that's doesn't not, play. Not so terrible. That's I, all- as good of an alternate option as you could have. Exactly. Because you're playing Golden Tate, regardless. Right. I mean, if you had Brandon Marshall or Sterling Shepard, I guess. Uh, right. or, or maybe FFPC PC format, Evan Engram. 
Yeah. You know, it's or certainly possible. I guess if you have him as a number two. Which some people would. Yeah, yeah so. for sure. Uh, when does Beckham play his first game? What's the over-under? Uh, I would. I think he might sit out this one and play week three. Week three, you think? That's my guess. Okay. Uh, are you concerned about him being a decoy or any long-term effects for the season with Beckham right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm concerned about that for sure. I mean, I, I didn't really draft Beckham at all. And I'm not saying it was a great move, but I just I didn't really feel uh, comfortable because of the injury. Yeah. And uh, I thought there were other people to take, like A.J. Green, who's not doing all that great either. Yeah. But yeah, he's getting catches. He's healthy. And, he's yeah, healthy at yeah. least, right? Yeah. I, I think that I'd be a lot happier and am happier owning Green over Beckham. I uh, mentioned it already. John Brown is uh, going to be out uh, this past week. Just declared out uh, for this uh, this game uh, this weekend. The Cardinals will not have David Johnson. They will not have John Brown. So it is going to be the Larry Fitzgerald and fill-in-the-blank show. I don't know if you're excited about Curran Williams or Andre Ellington. I'm actually not. Um, and then uh, we have J.J. Nelson, who is going to be starting – opposite Larry Fitzgerald in this game. What do you make uh, of uh, J.J. Nelson this week in a very good matchup here against Indy? Yeah, I would, I would look at him as a good WR3 type of player. I would actually, I'm actually really excited about Fitz. I think Fitz is going to have a huge game. I, I, he just, I think he dropped the touchdown. It was, he had a chance for two touchdowns last week's game, to, which would have made Palmer, instead of looking so horrific, so, you know, I think he would have looked actually okay. So I, I think that I'm looking at Fitz. J.J. Nelson's a nice start, though, and I appreciate that Matt liked him a lot. Yeah, and, and I don't even know, we for sure asked Matt, I don't even know because the John Brown news just came out, you know, whatever it was a couple hours ago. I don't even know if he knew Brown was out. So now he might be all about Nelson. Uh, if he, I'm if guessing he, he did. He's yeah, a little bit of You never know. Uh, New England Patriots wide receiver Danny Amendola, or as uh, Matt Waldman calls him, Danny Hematoma, uh, has a problem with his head, it's concussed, and a problem with his knee. It's injured. He did not practice today, did not practice uh, yesterday. I believe he was also listed as out. Uh, he will not be playing. Uh, this is from ESPN.com's, uh, ESPNBoston.com's Mike Reese. Uh, Chris Hogan, Dave, what do you make of Chris Hogan this week without Danny Amendola going six for 100 like he did last week against Kansas City? I like Hogan a lot. I think Hogan is, to me, I would rather have Hogan in there than Amendola. But, yeah. uh, I, I'm starting to Hogan everywhere I own him. And by the way, Amendola reminds me so much of like Vince Papali, like he's wearing the, you know, like the, the cheerleader's shoulder pads when he's yeah. out there just getting destroyed every time he gets hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's not a shoulder injury with him. It's, it's, no, it's I mean, always the concussions. Just, you know? He's always just getting destroyed. I mean, he's out, yeah. you're going over the middle, like a 175-pound, just regular human being that somehow put on <laughs> football, a football outfit right. you know, like for Halloween or something. He's just running across the field, and boom, he just gets destroyed. Like, it's like he doesn't even know how to get hit. Like, he's never been tackled before. That's the other thing. It's Gee. like, why are you just getting blown up? Don't you know how to, like... You know Marvin Harrison used to always do that. I was going to say Holt. Corey Holt. Yeah, yeah, he used to always slide in, man. He'd never get hit directly. And and you know what? The the worst injury Holt ever had in his career. If you ever seen the pictures of his hands, now that he's retired, his fingers are all messed up from catching all those fastballs from really? Kurt Warner. Yeah. Wow. But uh, he, I mean, this is a guy that didn't really miss significant time with broken bones or um, you know, torn muscles or anything like or concussions. Uh, this is a guy that was smart, you know, and he and he knew uh, how to take care of his body. I remember. We talked about Danny Amendola when he was still on the Rams, and we said, oh, my God, this is when Wes Welker was leaving the Patriots. Can you imagine uh, Amendola on the Patriots? Because this is when Amendola was yeah. catching all the special returns. He was still playing the same way back then, playing with reckless abandon. I don't know if it's a slot receiver thing that these guys just – they have such a short memory, but they'll go over the middle again and again knowing that they're going to get destroyed, and they keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Edelman's an example of someone who does that, but he still is pretty slippery. Like he doesn't seem to get his directly. And Amendola, yeah, when he signed that deal, it was his five years for thirty-five million dollars. Yeah, I big. thought, I mean, when they were paying him that much money, I thought it was on. But yeah, the Patriots, Patriots and wide receivers, man. 
Yeah, for whatever reason, they just. It's a problemo. I, I mean, I think Brandon Cooks blows up this week as well. I, I agree, and and this is the revenge game. This is uh, a guy oh, that yeah. I'm a. I'm a. Hope he has like four or five touchdowns. He might have an extra touchdown or two just because Brady's going to throw it up there when they're up 35 to 10. What's the, in over, the fourth quarter? What seriously? I'm going to break this down seriously now. What's the over under on Patriots points this week for you? If you had to just set the Patriots, what? How many points do they score at New Orleans this week in I, Cooks's revenge game? I mean, probably like 28, 30. I would, not, th- I would take the over on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it probably would be. Yeah. What is it? The over on what is it, 52, 55 probably? I can, like, ac- I, can a- I can actually check. It's not 55. Like, I know it's in the 50s. All right, they're laying like six, so they're probably. Oh, it is 55 and a half. My God, you were right. So like 30 to 24, is that, you know, 30, 25, you know, 31, 24, 31, 25. I that, guess, in yeah. In that neighborhood. So yeah. they're projected to score around 30, 31. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. I think that projection is pretty close. Uh, Danny Woodhead is expected to return in eight weeks after being placed on injured reserve designated to return yesterday. Jeremy Langford was signed from the practice squad to the active roster, according to Ian Rappaport from the uh, NFL Network. Dave, it's all about Javorius Buck Allen this week. So Terrence West is obviously going to get some more action. I don't think that Woodhead's injury uh, really affects the workload for West all that much because they weren't really fulfilling the same role. But Buck Allen, man, we saw what this guy could do a couple of years ago uh, with his pass-catching prowess, and he could actually be one of the biggest – I mean, because Tariq Cohen was mostly drafted in FFPC main events. Um, but if you talk about the waiver wire pickups of the year, Buck Allen is certainly on the short list for that right now. Um, in because uh, he was not drafted in every single uh, main event league. He was Most out, not. He was, yeah. So you look at uh, Buck Allen this week, Dave. Certainly a good plug and play. I'm actually I'm relatively excited about Buck Allen more so than with uh, Kerwin Williams, for example, just because I think he might share more. Although Allen's going to share with West, I think that Allen's going to have this defined role and he's going to for sure put up I think at least 10 fantasy points. He may not put up 20. He may only have like 10 to 14 range, really. But I, I think you're feel pretty comfortable that he's going to get 10. Yeah, Buck Allen, uh, of course, for the Ravens, taking on the Cleveland Browns at home on Sunday. That is a 1 o'clock game. That is a vintage 1 o'clock game between the Browns and Ravens. That's, it seems like when we always uh, see those two teams duke it out. Uh, and it's interesting, too, with Buck Allen. Uh, this, I always talk about how terrible my Kentucky teams are at, at, at running back, sometimes at both running back positions. And what's interesting this week, I made a, a, con, a conscious effort to not leave my running back position so depleted uh, when, you know, after the draft. And this, this year on the Kentucky teams, I probably got Buck Allen on like a half dozen of them off waivers right around there. And I don't, I think the only reason I'm starting him, I'm only starting him in one league because my other running backs are, are, you know, better options than him. Um, and the only reason I'm starting him in the other league, it's at flex, and I had John Brown, so I'm sticking Buck Allen in there. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, but I do think he is uh, very, very good uh, this week. Let's get on to uh, the final, final point here before we get to, to your emails and tweets. Uh, Leonard Fournette had 61 yards rushing after contact in week one. This according to Ryan O'Halloran from the Florida Times Union. This is uh, a, a defense in Houston that actually looked really good last night. Uh, we all know what, what they were capable of coming into the season. Fournette did this against them. Um, Tennessee is uh, going to be the opponent for Leonard Fournette and the Jags this week. They did not do all that great stopping Marshawn Lynch last week. And no Allen Robinson for the Jags means more of the offensive workload is going to fall on Fournette, not only this week, but the rest of the season. Dave, if you drafted Leonard Fournette in the third or fourth round, I think you're probably loving life right now, getting him in as even as your number one running back if you went receiver early. Absolutely. I mean, you got to – I mean, people are talking about him as an RB1, and that's what he's playing like. And uh, 
that he's the most talented player on that offense. So the only thing they're going to have to worry about is when they're throwing the eight-man box up there and if he gets stuffed. But I, I, I feel pretty good about Fournette. I'd, I'd be really happy to own him. I own a few spots, a few spots. I'm real happy about it. Yeah, dynasty or redraft? Uh, redraft. Really? I didn't, I didn't know you were on. Okay. Well, not again. A couple. Yeah. Okay. I, I had no idea that you were on Fournette at all. So sorry. What? You know, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I don't take McCaffrey in every single league. I mean, he might have. Yeah, been, I you did. He might have been taken already. <laughs> if he's taken, I have to take other players bulky. I don't just yeah. close up shop and not draft anymore. No, that's fine. I get it. Uh, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, we we talked about this this running back class uh, coming into the season for Dynasty, and it seemed like we always wanted to go out of our way to pick McCaffrey or maybe Dalvin Cook. Uh, when Fournette was the number one drafted guy, maybe the the KISS method is going to be the correct one with Leonard Fournette here. Not only for he redraft, never like out of the equation. He just no, but I mean it doesn't. It, he was never hotly you know talked about. Everybody seemed like the like you, you were all about McCaffrey. I know this. Still am. There's a lot of people that are all about Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. and now Kareem Hunt, I guess, is in the equation too. So there's something to to uh, to I be. I think everybody'd be pretty happy to own Kareem Hunt. Uh, definitely. Okay, let's get into uh, to your emails here, ladies and gentlemen. We will uh, not play the drop here because we're, eh, we're, we're doing all right on time, but we'll keep going. Okay, first email tonight, Dave, is from Quinn in Polk City, Florida. Is this Tariq Cohen for real? If Jordan Howard gets hurt, he might be in Kareem Hunt territory with his output last week. Thanks, fellas. That is Quinn in Polk City, Florida. What do you make of Tariq Cohen, Dave? Uh, because this is a guy that was drafted late in a lot of leagues. And uh, he, he um, I don't think he outtouched Jordan Howard, but he certainly was much more efficient with his touches than Jordan Howard was last week. And you think about the receiver depth in Chicago is a big-time issue right now. Tariq Cohen maybe could be their leading receiver for the year, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Tariq Cohen, as we look forward this year, where does he finish among running backs? How good can he be? I mean, he could be a top 12 back. I mean, that's definitely possible if he just keeps catching passes and doing what he did in week one. I don't want to overreact either, and I, but I, I, I feel – the, the, what I fear is that Jordan Howard is really going to suffer the most. And, yeah. But I don't think he's going to be the pass-catching option as, as much. But, uh, I, you know, I'd be pretty happy to own Tariq Cohen. I mean, I think, you know, I think he's going to finish probably like 17th or 18th, that, which is kind of scary. That, that's great, uh, great value for him with uh, how people, how late people got him in drafts this year. Now, uh, they will venture down to Tampa this week. And remember, Jordan Howard is battling a little bit of a shoulder injury, was limited in practice today. So it could might mean more Tariq Cohen this week uh, for anybody who is looking for a flex to stick in there. You could do a lot worse than Tariq Cohen. Sonny in Camden, New Jersey. Are you guys starting any Seahawk running backs this week? Thanks for the email, Sonny. I am not, Dave. And this is coming from you know, Mr. Eddie Lacy that, you know, I'm not playing him. Rawls is, is expected to be back here this week. We saw what Chris Carson can do. He looked all right last week. Um, but it, the, the offensive line is bad, uh, and it's a three-headed monster there. And we all know that that offense runs through Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin. I am not playing any Seattle running backs this week, despite them being at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, Carson's the only guy I would take a shot with, but even that I wouldn't feel all that great about. Yeah, so bench your Seahawks running backs. You actually were considering cutting Lacey in a couple of leagues this week. I, I, had, I was faced with that same decision. I, I gave him another week, but, I mean, I don't expect, really expect him to turn around given what we saw last week. Yeah, I don't, I don't own much Eddie Lacey, but, yeah, I'm looking for ways to get rid of him. Yeah, well, one, one way is cutting him, and honestly, that might be the only way. I don't know if you're going to get much for him in Dynasty Leagues right now. I don't know him in there. There you go. Tim in NYC, dear Dave and Balky, for whatever reason, I got a bunch of shares of Josh Doxson this year. Is he worth keeping around to see what happens, or is he a sunk cost? Great job by you guys in Vegas. That is Tim 
in New York City. Tim, thanks for the email, and thanks for the kind words about Vegas. we uh, glad you had a good time. I know we did. Uh, Josh Doxson not having a good time in Washington right now. Now, I don't know if you own him in any uh, you know, annual leagues here, uh, redraft leagues. If you did, are you, are you trying to find reasons to keep him around just to see what happens when he gets on the field, or is he just a guy that, like, look, I need another defense this week. I, need, uh, I want to take a flyer on running back. I'm getting rid of Doxson. Uh, I would probably be looking to get rid of him. I, I, he's not a player I drafted at all, but uh, I, I, I don't really see a lot of use for him. It seems like the coaching staff is struggling to find a lot of use for him either. Mm-hmm. The Jay Gruden came out and said that you know he hasn't really done much for us, and he's, I, I don't think he's over this leg issue or hamstring or knee or whatever it is. It, it doesn't seem like he can shake it. And I, honestly, with Terrell Pryor being peppered with as many targets as he was, with Jamison Crowder's role in that offense, obviously with Jordan Reed really healthy right now, I don't know if it really behooves Washington to be rushing him on the field when they have all those options right now. Like, get let him get healthy. I, I don't I don't really see the uh, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a bust. He's I mean we've already kind of figured that that might be the case, but he's gonna be a bust. I mean, he's done nothing as a rookie. His injury problems. He was an overage rookie coming out. He's just gonna end up being not good. He'll be the next I don't know Stephen Hill or whatever. Two Packer tried to uh, trade uh, him to me in Dynasty this week. A two first rounders in Josh Doxson for uh, I believe it was Mike Evans. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> Hello, and that's what he put in the group chat. He's that's like, I, I can't believe Balky turned down um, <laughs> uh, an offer of a guy who was going at the 104 last year, plus <laughs> two first-rounders for a guy with zero points on the season. <laughs> Was how you he know, framed you it. Frame it that way, that was pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah, it made me look like an idiot. <laughs> uh, hello, Balkman and Gerzak. How does the new OC in Cincy affect the Bengals players for fantasy? That is Mitch and Evelyn Texas. Yeah, we, we, we talked with this a little bit earlier with, uh, with Matt Keifling, uh, who has you know, got his finger on the pulse of all things Bengals there in Cincinnati. This is a guy that um, Bill Lazor threw the, uh, the ball a ton in Miami when he's the OC. Remember, he was um, – uh, from the Chip Kelly school, too. He was uh, offensive coordinator for him. So he loves the pass. I think this is great news for A.J. Green. And as long as Tyler Eifert can stay on the field, I think it's very good news for him. I'm not really excited about anybody else uh, on the offense. Well, you know, oddly enough, I bet you all the people, not all, but I bet you, I'm sure the people that cut Andy Dalton may or may not regret it ever, but I think there's many people picking up Andy Dalton in weeks five and six for Buck or whatever, or maybe more. Uh, when, once they get some injuries or whatever, realize, hey, you know, remember Dalton like, last year? Or yeah. Years ago? He's actually not that bad. He could have a good week in a potential shootout type game in Green Bay in week three and be picked up right after that if he throws for like three touchdowns and like 270, 280, something like that. That's yeah, totally possible. And I mean, not improbable, actually. Yeah, not improbable at all. Uh, moving on. Bob in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. What's the new normal for the Saints backfield? Is it like week one where Kamara is the guy? Or is it too early to cut bait on Peterson? That is Bob in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Adrian Peterson is a guy I really didn't want in any leagues this year. And because I went receiver and tight end heavy in a few leagues in Kentucky, I actually got Peterson in two leagues. Didn't like it. <laughs> didn't want to do it. Felt I owed it to him. Confession time. So, unfortunate. And I had him in my starting lineups, obviously, uh, this past week. That was really bad. <laughs> I bet it was. Really, really bad. <laughs> Nine <laughs> snaps. How many snaps? Nine snaps. He even touched the ball. Uh, yeah, he had a couple of carries on those wow. on those snaps. But the thing is, they were playing from behind, and so it was the Kamara show. Now, here's the interesting thing. Alvin, the snap uh, distribution, Kamara had 41, Ingram had 26, and Peterson had nine. Maybe Alvin Kamara is the most – because the Saints, let's face it, are not going to be salting very many leads away with that <laughs> defense this year. Like every year. Kamara could be the guy here. He could be. 
And he was the last one drafted, 13, 12. Yeah. 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 I mean, which is the opposite of the kiss uh, method there. Um, but Kamara is a guy that uh, catch passes, uh, scored a lot of touchdowns uh, in college at Tennessee. I, and, and for whatever reason, Sean Payton continues to hate on Mark Ingram. Kamara is a guy that I'm actually – Ingram, I mean, he, Ingram got some carries. You know, he was no, he wasn't, he wasn't like a Peterson you know, right. part of the game plan. But let's table the Kamara talk because we have an interesting starter sit coming up with him. Oh, uh, great. We'll talk more about that. Uh, hello, Bozo and Pennywise. Did you see the new It film, Dave? No. The reviews have been awesome. I'm not a big fan of horror. I am not either. I don't plan on seeing it. I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah. But I will not be one seeing it. <laughs> uh, the thing is with horror, you know what I hate about horror films is I always just sit All those there. people dying? No, I wait for it because it's, it's trying to scare you, and I'm waiting for the gore to happen, and I hate waiting for it. You know what I mean? You don't like it. Comedy is great because I never know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. I but, feel that way when I watch the What Would You Do show on ABC, Balky. It's not I'm, comfortable when. I've never seen that show. Oh, it's terrible. Really? Yeah, it's, it's where they do put these people in weird situations, like they're at a coffee shop. Oh, yeah, I would. Something. I don't like that. And those. then they're trying to make everyone around them uncomfortable. Yeah. That's, no. a, that's like the, that's the worst. Yeah, I, why do you watch it? I don't try to, but sometimes it's on um, in our household upstairs. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's yeah. A Friday night. It was on tonight. It was a, it's a Friday night show. Yeah. That's how good it is. They, what happened? To, on Friday what night. happened to pre-show Shark Tank? We always used to do that in the, in the studio. Know. We, I don't know. Is this still on? I don't know. I, don't really, I thought it was. We don't really shop around for like stuff to watch. No, we don't. Hello, Bozo and Pennywise. Am I nuts to play Macklin over Des this week? Love your show. Love it more if you read this on air. Winky face. That is Steve in Holt, Michigan. Um, the uh, this is this is what I was talking about with this uh, Des thing, because. It's entirely possible that um, many people have both Macklin and Dez uh, on their rosters, and it's an interesting situation this week because Jeremy Macklin gets the Browns at home. Dez has to go at Denver and go up against that vaunted secondary. Who are you playing there if you're faced with that decision, Dave? I think I'm still playing Dez. You know what's crazy is I am too, and I don't think it's really that tough of a decision. Um, I know he, he did last week two catches for 46 yards. It wasn't good. And this is a much better uh, secondary that he's facing this week. I still am, am going to play my studs because I'll tell you what, if Macklin ends up going like three for 30 and then Dez ends up like catching three passes for 72 yards and a touchdown, I'm going to be kicking myself. What was I thinking? You know, one of those kind of things. So I'm usually going to play my studs and play, roll guys in like Macklin on bye weeks or injuries or what have you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not like Macklin is so amazing. No. I just really need to play him. No, he's not. His matchup might be a little bit amazing. Uh, but I don't. Uh, I would not be able to uh, to play him over Des Bryant. Uh, hi, gents. Salty David Johnson owner here. Who do I stick in my lineup this week? Quiz Rogers or Bilal Powell? That is Richie in Louisville, Nebraska. Uh, Bilal Powell this week for the Jets uh, is taking on. I just had it. He at is the at the Raiders, and then uh, Jack Plus was thirteen or fourteen. Right. Uh, Jacquez Rogers is uh, taking on the Bears at home after coming off the bye week. So there's uh, certainly the aspect to, aspects to consider. Bilal Powell catching uh, dump-off passes as they try to play catch-up. And uh, Jacquez Rogers getting this you know extra week of quote-unquote rest, I guess, the extra week of prep to take on the Bears sure. uh, as the starting running back there with no Doug Martin. So who, which one would you be playing there? Well, um, I'm definitely going to go with Jacquez Rogers, And the reason is that Tampa Bay is uh, their favorite. I think they're going to be leading the fourth quarter. And Rodgers is going to be the benef- beneficiary of that. He's going to get a lot of carries, some catches. Uh, and uh, I-, I think he's going to have a really good game. And who's going 
who's going to score points? Are the Jets going to score points? Is Powell going to score a touchdown? I mean, right. the odds of that are very, very low. I think Rodgers has a better than 50% chance to score a touchdown. Today. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just the whole – consider the game script and the likelihood of how these games play out. Um, wouldn't you rather have the starting running back of the team that is, you know, a, fi- a five-point or six-point <laughs> favorite, whatever they are? I mean, I would much rather have that. Uh, so I would be sitting below Powell. It's not like Jacquez Rogers can't catch passes either. He's the, good at that. The, the fact that you would be playing Bilal Powell at all, I would think your number one reason would be, oh, he's going to catch a lot of passes. Well, Chris Rogers could catch a lot of passes too. So I, uh, I would be playing Rogers over Powell. Let's move on here and go to Charlie in Charleston, South Carolina. Charlie from Charleston. Witten or Ebron in week two? Who you got? TIA. It is Charlie in Charleston, South Carolina. So Jason Witten, uh, this week we already talked about it. He is taking on the Denver Broncos and that secondary in the Mile High City. Eric Ebron under the lights of Monday Night Football in the Big Apple taking on the Giants. So if you had to make a choice between Ebron or Witten uh, in your FFPC league, which one are you playing between those two? I'm going to go with the Hall of Fame tight end versus the underperforming guy who had two catches for, uh, what was it, nine yards last week. Yeah, it wasn't good. I, uh, Ebron still sucks, man. I'm gonna Witten say, is still really good. Yeah, I, I wish we were uh, disagreeing more. What did Witten do last week? He, didn't he have like five or six catches? I mean, he was heavily involved. Yeah, heavily involved in the offense. And, you know, against a bunch of good corners, they're going to probably have to throw to him in Denver. Yeah. Uh, let me see what the, did he have here. Seven of nine targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. That's wow. A, that's a great game. That's a great FFPC game, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and so Witten, I, I think, is a guy – we're talking about this, like – he might have made a deal with the devil and like just somebody's like, when is he going to start aging? And I said, I don't think he ever will. I think this is, this is Jason Witten now. And we're just going to see him play like this for the next 10 years. His hair has been thinning, I think since he was 24 and it just never thins out anymore. Right. I'm telling you. Like it thins, but it stays the same. You almost get those Bosley implants. Signed a contract in blood with Beelzebub. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Uh, Moving on here, Mike in Atlanta, Georgia. Greetings and salutations, HSFers. Do I start the suddenly relevant Alvin Kamara or the suddenly relevant Paul Richardson in my Allen Robinson slot? That is Mike in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much, Mike, for the email. So he uh, is missing Allen Robinson this week, and he is deciding between Alvin Kamara, who is hosting the New England Super Bowl champ Patriots, or Paul Richardson, who is hosting the San Francisco, not winning the Super Bowl anytime soon, 49ers. So which one would you start uh, for this guy, Kamara or P. Rich? I start Kamara. I just feel a little bit more comfortable about the fact that he's going to get some short targets instead of having to catch some Paul Richardson bombs. I just don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable about that. Those guys are. They have too low of a floor. Paul Richardson is probably like the number three option in that offense right now. I don't know where Kamara ranks in the 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 passing game. Maybe maybe the third option, maybe the second option. I don't even really know. Um, but I know he's the number one option in their backfield. If last week uh, was any sort of um, indication, are you worried about the you know the old adage the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Uh, Adrian Peterson complaining about the nine snaps. Do you think there's any? effort made to keep him on the field more this week by New Orleans. Well, there, you know, there's two possibilities with that. Well, actually three. One is that nothing, one, nothing changes. Right. Uh, two, they try and get him more, more snaps. Right. Or three, they, it, they deactivate him and don't play him at all. Oh, can you imagine that? Absolutely. Someone's brought that up. I mean, it's totally possible. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. You're deact- You're out this game. I think he would just I, ask I, for his release at that Kamara's point. Gonna, I mean, he's going to get, when he's on the field, he will be the number one or number two option for the offense itself. Are you going to run in a pass? If you're going to pass, are you going to throw it to him? So if he's on the 
even 50% of the time, right. I mean, he's going to get a lot. He's going to be touching the ball a lot more than Paul Richardson. Give me the guy touching the ball. Uh, bring it back to uh, the chat room. Jimmy Wagner and Triple J wants to know Jason Witten or Cameron Brait. So you have Witten again at Denver, Cameron Brait at home against the Bears. Brait, who we think is going to be the starter, obviously, over O.J. Howard right now. Which one would you play there, Dave? Yeah, I'd probably still stick with Witten. He's in midseason form. I had a great game. But, uh, you know, it's a little, probably a little bit closer, actually. Because, well, just because Brait doesn't have a two for uh, nine yards game. Right, yeah. And, and I'm with you on Witten. And the thing is – if Witten would have sucked week one, I think that now we have more of a conversation. But seeing how Prescott really targeted Witten at, at the expense of, uh, expense of Des Bryant, too, by the way, uh, I think that has to Just make like you feel – every year. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> or at least last both year. years. Um, the, uh, I think that has to make you feel better about uh, starting Jason Witten this week, and I would roll him over uh, Cameron Brait as well. Um, okay, so you said Camaro over Richardson, and I, maybe it's wide receiver bias, but I am – or running back bias, I guess it would be in this case. I would also play Camaro just because I, I think there's a there's more of a, a chance uh, for a higher touch score or, or you know, a higher number of touches uh, for Camaro than there is uh, with Richardson. Now, obviously, they're not going to be a, as um, high, you know, um, efficient with, uh, with the carries versus the catches, but I'm still playing Camaro. Um, plus, I know he's going to be on the field when they're down. Uh, we saw that last week. We're going to see it again this week. Delaney, okay, uh, this is Jeff in Denver, Colorado. Bench Delaney Walker for Alvin Kamara. Thoughts? Hope week two goes well for you. All right, I'm going to make Kamara or Cohen? No, I said Kamara. It's not for, okay, so. Delaney Walker for Alvin Kamara. So another Kamara question. Yeah, okay. so here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to make an example out of Jeff. One of the worst things that people can, like when they ask for fantasy advice on Twitter, what have you, and this is a, maybe this is just me being a jerk, but it's a huge pet peeve of mine. Oh, let's hear it. I hate it when people say, blah, 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 thoughts, question mark. You don't like that, huh? I hate it. When people, <laughs> like, well, they're trying to be brief on I, Twitter. I, they have I to get 140 characters, Baldwin. Ask me a specific question. Don't, I mean, do you ever see oh, like... like elucidate on this complete on this point. Do you ever see like in a, and I realize I'm comparing real football to fantasy football. Do you ever see like somebody in the in the uh, um, South Palantonia? Do you ever see him ask uh, Jason Garrett, "Hey, Jason, uh, Des Bryant, uh, two for forty-six out there. Uh, thoughts?" <laughs> Nobody ever asked that question. Don't ask another. I'm not even an analyst, like or, or I hate him. That's a good throw, open-ended question. Throw the thoughts <laughs> to Dave Gerzak at David Gerzak. Don't ask me thoughts. It is the quickest way for me to ignore it. I I I cannot stand that. Yeah, I have like some guy. Uh, one of my buddies actually. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, texted me his uh, lineup or his uh, roster right after his draft. And uh, he sent me his whole roster. He took two screenshots of it. He's like, here's my roster. Thoughts? No. I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, going to write a friggin' novel yeah, so uh, about your – Five-paragraph. Oh, God. I mean, the opening paragraph. Say, okay, hey. Then another paragraph. No. Another two paragraphs. Yeah. And then the closing. And then the closing, yeah. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have time to write anything like that. 700 words on my, on my team, please. Send me a roster. If you want to do that, send me a roster. Say, I think I'm a little bit weak at running back. What do you think? That's a specific question. You are. Don't just be like, <laughs> two words thoughts? Back, two words oh, God. It is, that is the worst. It disrespectful is, to a man of your It's not disrespectful. Time. It's your lazy. It's a, your, yeah, your exactly. Is, yeah, That's a great point. You, uh, said, you actually just said your time, too. So. My, yeah, I'm, only, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with what you said. Thank you. <laughs> that said, I'm still going to be nice here because I just fricasseed Jeff. Wow, geez. Delaney Walker, are you benching him for Alvin Kamara this week? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I'd start Walker. You brought this up with Tariq Cohen. Yeah. Tariq Cohen or Delaney Walker? Um, yeah. I probably, you know, again, these guys don't, they only have a one, you know, Cohen only has a one game history. I'm going to go with Delaney Walker. He's had like, you know, 50 games or whatever of productive fantasy. Productive fantasy games, that's it. One with him. I'm rolling with Cohen this week, baby. All right. Over Delaney Walker. You want to put five on that? Sure. Or no? Let's do five dollars. So I got five on Tariq Cohen, more FFPC points than Delaney Walker in week two. I'll take Delaney Walker. And how much do you have on it? I have five dollars on it. Uh, okay. Oh, really? Sorry. This is the first live show we've done in how many Who's weeks? Who's on the five dollar bill? I'm Let's not, talk about all those. I'm, I'm a little rusty. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and on that note, we're going to get out of here uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank uh, Matt Keifling. I want to thank uh, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course uh, each and every one of you for tuning in and listening this week. It is awesome to be back in the studio with uh, with Dave Gerzak, and it is awesome uh, that you guys are are listening to us once again uh, after a, a little bit of a. A, a, a respite from uh, having us drill nonsense into your ears over the past few weeks. I'm glad you uh, are back listening, and I'm glad that you're downloading, and I'm glad that you are going to enjoy week two, which is uh, the big takeaway here. Get those lineups in. Uh, waivers are too late. They're already closed, but get those lineups in for Sunday. Be watching the injury news. Uh, best of luck to you in all your leagues, your weekend, of course. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dogs stay on the court. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Where you get that from? Yeah, I figured you'd like that. Uh, we, we've never had too short on the show before, and now we just got to get too short on the show. Oh, man, it's good Is stuff. he still alive, do you know? You know, I think he is. He's getting up there. He's from Oaktown. Oaktown, yeah, that's true. He's got to be alive. Well, he's probably lived a it's harsh a very life. Safe city over there. <laughs> yeah. No, I know it's really not, but I'm pretty sure he's. Uh, you know, he's he's all good. I think he's fine. Uh, yeah, he's alive. He's, he's alive good. and kicking. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's probably doing really well. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good we did really well. It's just like this show, uh, which was also too <laughs> short. See you next week, everybody.